In May of 2000, Allison Thresher vanished from her small apartment in Bethesda, Maryland. It was the night before she was supposed to start a new position with the Washington Post. She's never been found, but the mystery surrounding Allison's disappearance has only deepened in the time she's been gone. This is a story of betrayal, anger, stunning accusations, and family secrets unearthed. There are strange coincidences and odd connections. But it is also a story about survival, forgiveness, and incredible courage. And a word of caution about this episode, the subject matter and language is not appropriate for children. I'm Melanie Alnwick, a reporter for the Fox Station in Washington, D.C. By 2009, Allison Thresher's case had gone cold. For Hannah and Sam, nearly a decade had passed since they last saw their mother. Even so, Hannah says, there was always a question. There were so many possibilities, and you know, for years and years, I would, I mean, constantly, and even it still happens to me now, where I'll see somebody who vaguely re resembles her, and for a second, sometimes it's like, let me like make sure that's not her. At a certain point, almost you feel like you're starting to forget what somebody looks like, even though you have all these mean. pictures. Yeah, so that was part of it, is that it was like, could that be her? It's like, and you know, there are times when there have been a women here and there that I see that look so much like what I remember her as. And so, um, so you know, that was difficult, but it, it, didn't, it didn't throw me into a depression or anything for that to happen. It was just sort of a reality and I'd have to ignore it. Sam spent many years angry at Montgomery County Police for what he saw as a failure to fully investigate his mom's disappearance and murder. And I gave up for a long time and I just didn't care. And I think in turn I didn't care a lot about you know myself. I didn't care. I didn't, I just, I don't know. You know, I fucked up in high school pretty bad and dropped out and bounced back kind of quick, but there was still a pretty a pretty hazy gray area there for a while and that uh, I know a lot of that was was stemmed from this and like well fucking where's my mom why should I give a shit about showing up to school on time you've heard the expression swears like a sailor well Sam kind of is one today he's a commercial lobsterman working off the coast of Maine Hannah finished high school Despite her mother's fallout with the Friends Community School and subsequent shutout from the local Quaker community, Hannah went on to a Quaker college. Semesters spent in West Africa gave her much-needed space and relief from reminders of her past. Fernando Esturizaga had moved on, too. Well, from Maryland, at least. But he didn't go far from the Thresher family. Montgomery County Police Detective Katie Leggett. He had already been accused and gone through a trial with another kid, so it wasn't his first rodeo. He knew kind of what to expect and he was smart I mean there was no he was no dummy so I think he kind of started giving distance ironically he ended up in a place where Jim's family was do you think that's irony no no it's not I mean he he was very familiar with that area the family took him in for a little while while he was looking for a place to live to to go to the New England Culinary Institute and work and so no it wasn't it wasn't ironic at all. The family took him in, 
the Thresher family. Through all those years, all those vacations together in Vermont and Maine, the buddy-buddy times with Jim Thresher, Fernando Asturizaga practically became family. He moved in with Jim's nephew and his wife, living at the Thresher family homestead on a mountain in Vermont. And I believe it was the wife that just started getting just really uncomfortable probably mom got feelings and said he's got to go. Then Fernando took up residence at the New England Culinary Institute in Montpelier, Vermont. But he still hung out with Jim, often in Maine, at the same place where he first raped Hannah when she was 11. The summer of 2009, Hannah went back to Maine as well to visit her father and his girlfriend, Laura. Then she snapped. That time they had just purchased a house on the island, so I was sort of seeing the house and, and helping with that. And, um, and I kept finding Fernando's stuff, like stuff that he'd left, because he'd been there, because he was still, at that point, I was 21, he was still in touch with my family. And, you know, I found like a watch of his sitting somewhere and then like a T-shirt, you know, just stuff like that. And I just started throwing it all away because I was like, I, I, this, everywhere I go, he's there, no matter what. And I felt this freedom in Ghana that I hadn't felt anywhere else because I didn't have any of those associations that I have here. Um, and so I was upset because it was like this man has just infiltrated every part of my life and I can't get away from him and it won't end. And so I ended up calling him and saying, you know, don't ever talk to anybody in my family ever again, or I will, you know, come forward about what happened and was, you know, threatening him basically saying like, like stay away from my family. And he said, well, it would be weird if I just stopped talking to them all of a sudden. I was like, well, I don't care if it'll be weird. That's not my concern here. I did that and then I, I called my therapist right afterwards to kind of tell her what had happened and because I was sobbing my head off and was really upset. Hannah hadn't even told her longtime therapist about the sexual abuse. They talked a lot and decided that after Hannah finished her senior year of college, they would call Montgomery County Police. It's this terrible combination of, of knowing that it, it re wasn't really my fault, but feeling like it kind of was because I didn't tell anybody. You know, it's just a, it's, a it, it's an indescribable mix of like, you just don't know what to do. And that is why, in my opinion, or one of the many reasons why it sometimes takes women a very long time to come forward about this stuff because a lot of times you don't even realize how bad it is when it's going on and then you grow up or you get a few years removed from it and and you're it's still bothering you so much that you know you you wonder well why is this bothering me so much and then you kind of realize well it's because I need to do something about it and that's when I met Detective Leggett. It was a typical delayed disclosure case. But as we got into more details about her abuse scenario, I thought, oh my God, you know, this is crazy. At the time, Detective Katie Leggett was working in the Special Victims Unit, not homicide, not cold case as she is today. In the fall of 2010, Hannah, then 22 years old, called Fernando. He agreed to come to Maryland from Vermont to meet up at a restaurant so Hannah could talk about their former relationship. As he left the meeting, Fernando was arrested. Then Hannah, with the help of her therapist, faced her family. My therapist told them and I kind of showed up just after that and you know that was emotional and very difficult. Did and, your dad say um, anything to you? 
Um, oh, yeah, I mean, they just, I think they were at that point just like in total shock and, you know, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how I would react about learning that about one of my children, but, you know, we were able to go home and talk about it and, you know, I think, I think everybody, you know, everybody was upset and, and emotionally drained and everything. Hannah actually told Sam first. At that moment, he recalls, everything came into focus. I mean, and as soon as that happened, you know, it was also like, oh shit, all these memories that I have of everything flood back. And I'm like, yep. I think when she was forming the word F, in her mouth, you know, when she was saying, Fer, I like finished it in my head. It's like Fernando was fucking raping you. Like that's what was happening that whole time when we were on those fucking weird trips, when we were always at his fucking house, his weird apartment. You know, it was so fucking obvious that it didn't take a 21-year-old me to ref retrospectively just be like, it was all fucked. But, and you know what else is fucked? And this is really fucked, is how many people, it, I also felt that way because like, I remember like people being suspicious, but nobody fucking did anything. Like nobody said anything. I remember going to a hotel with, with him and my sister in like Bush Gardens or some shit and around, around that area of Virginia, and like checking into this hotel, you know, like a, a, a Holiday Inn Suites or something, you know, nice, I don't know, uh, nice enough, you know, 150, 160 bucks a night at least, and like, and the, the people behind the desk being like, just being like, what what's going on here? Like, what, who are these kids of yours? You know, like, what are you, and him being like, oh, I'm their babysitter, or I'm the care team, some shit, bullshit, and that was kind of fucking true, sadly, you know, as far as his authority was concerned. And and the people being, like, weirded out. And I know that happened all over. And, and you know, people's complacency sometimes is insane. Fernando Esturizaga was charged with multiple counts of rape and sexual abuse over the course of three years. In August of 2012, he was sentenced to 168 years in prison for what he did to Hannah. Detective Leggett had more than a dozen years working child abuse and special victims cases. She tells me it was difficult to get any records from the school. They were not forthcoming with them at all. I read through just the case docket and that goes on for a long time back and forth with subpoenas yeah. to the custodian it was, records. It was something. This person, that person. Yeah. It was shocking to me, especially when you're doing a case with a teacher and a child abuse, how many hoops I had to jump through to get that letter. The letter dated June 6, 1999, in which Allison Thresher tells the school that Fernando was having an inappropriate relationship with Hannah. At this point, Fernando Esturizaga had not really been connected to Allison's disappearance. Detective Leggett's radar, though, was flashing red. I knew when I had that case back in, in 2000, 2010, I knew in my gut that Fernando Ashriazaga was involved in some aspect after I had gotten to this, the disclosure of abuse. And so I did call the cold case unit at that time, and they did work my entire case with me in an attempt to get information 
on Fernando, who, had, who was never developed as a suspect prior to that. And Hannah, in recalling the details of her past, had a revelation. It was really just this sort of ding in my head, and, and I just put the, dot, the dots connected finally, that it would have, it gave him a motive for doing that. A memory of a conversation right around the time Allison Thresher was first missing. He said that, um, you know, didn't, I thought things would be easier now that she's gone, as I was upset about her disappearance and um, was expressing that to him, and, and that's what he said to me. Um, I think it was something that I didn't think much of at the time. I thought he meant that, you know, because she knew about it, there was a lot of um, acrimonious um, interactions between both myself and her and the two of them and um, other parties involved. Um, but uh, at the time I thought, you know, it would be easier because none of that would be going on anymore. But, uh, but I do, you know, he may have meant what, um, that he had something possibly to do with her disappearance. In 2014, Detective Leggett transferred to the cold case unit. I worked child abuse cases for 12 years. I was looking for a little bit of a a break from those cases because they're really emotionally taxing. Katie Leggett is petite with straight shoulder length blonde hair. She's easy to talk to, but I sense there's a hard edge that comes out during interrogations. Her partner, Mark Janney, spent 12 years working in narcotics undercover, then seven years in homicide. He's tall and craggy in a slightly dark and dangerous kind of way. Both are parents. I was always drawn to this by just the challenge of trying to solve something that nobody else could, and by the um, desire to help the families. You know, it's hard enough to lose a loved one, but then for years to go by without any answers or closure, uh, I think that's a, uh, something that I'd like to, to give back to people. And we wind up getting pretty close to a lot of the families and just want to see it through and not let them down. In 2016, they asked to reopen Allison Thresher's case. Now, with the information from the sex abuse trial, some of the evidence collected from Allison's apartment began to make sense. The diaries, you would have, you would have to read through, thumb through, and when you look at a case that looks like a missing person and nothing is jumping out at you, because her stuff was kind of fragmented. Because she wrote in shorthand a lot, right. and we were able to interpret what she was saying because we knew the end of the story. Because right. now you know what F means. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. F, F referring to Fernando. Right. That's from notes in Allison's day planner. Quote, neither F or school has followed through on obligation. No physical proximity. And, quote, if you're uncomfortable, that's a sign. Go with that. And another one, quote, mad about my thoughts, R-E-F. F meaning Fernando. Again, this is in 2016 six years after Fernando was arrested for sexually abusing Hannah, six years after her father, Jim Thresher, was specifically told about the abuse. And we know that Allison demanded back in 1999 that Jim keep Fernando away from the kids. So you're probably wondering, why didn't Jim's alarm bells go off? Why didn't he say anything? I mean, the truth is, is the only person that knows is Jim, and he's never really shared that information with us what was going through his head but he has been very honest about he really didn't take anything that she said honestly or seriously because everything in his mind that she was doing was to to mess with him we reached out to jim thresher and asked if he'd like to comment several times through hannah and sam in letters and in person jim politely declined no 
Not interested, thanks. After Fernando Asturizaga's conviction, he was transferred from the Montgomery County Detention Center to the Western Maryland Correctional Facility in Cumberland, Maryland. It's not a place you'd want to be. <laughs> it's uh, Cumberland. It's, um, you know, the conditions are certainly not very nice. Um, there's a lot of uh, very hardcore criminals in there. That's where a lot of the real bad people are. Detective Janney interviewed Fernando three times. He's very, um, I would say, conniving. Um, he can be um, affable and uh, appear to be something he's not, I would say. He he's, can easily gain people's trust. He is very mild-mannered. Um, but there's something, there was something to him where you could tell that he was harboring a big secret, you know. Um, I, I did the interviews with him and they were difficult interviews. He's, he's, he was extremely intelligent. Um, his years in prison, I think, had hardened him and given him a, a street sense of dealing with police and uh, it took a lot of work to establish some trust with him and to get him to open up to the extent that he did. Uh, and essentially, he, in so many words, alluded that he knew the answers that we wanted, but he never gave them to us. In April 2018, Montgomery County Police called a press conference. Chief Tom Manger at the podium. All of this leads us to the purpose of today's press conference, and that is to name Fernando Antonio Astorizaga as a person of interest in this homicide investigation. We're hoping through this announcement that anyone with information about the case will come forward. Hannah and Sam came forward too, bravely stepping in front of cameras and microphones to tell their story. Hannah looks down at a paper she's clutching like a security blanket. This man took nearly everything from me. Three years of my life, my youth, my innocence, my happiness and optimism for the future. But like others who have suffered, I am resilient. For my mother, I need the whole truth to come out. Sam embraces the podium like a pro. My name's Sam Thresher. I'm Allison's son. This is Leroy. Um, I can take any question. The detectives are there with them as well. That was a difficult press conference for me, and not to make it about me, but I was biting my lip and pinching myself, and because I just never, and I tried to prepare myself that entire day, you know, because I, and, and ironically, my old partner that helped me work on that case was downstairs to watch um, the press conference because he just came up here, and he, he said I had to look away, like he was getting emotional because you just, you don't realize how much those cases affect you until you have a little bit of distance from them. And so to be sitting on the, the com coming full circle kind of, but you're not in that compartmentalizing um, sh frame of mind anymore. You have to really compartmentalize every day to do that job. And so now I'm kind of stripped down and very vulnerable. And that was, that was a difficult press conference to sit through because I knew how hard it was for her. Back at her apartment, Hannah tells me she didn't plan on speaking, but then... I just was like, I have to do this for my mother um, and my brother and for my mother's family, and if this is gonna help find her, then it's totally worth it. And even if it helps one 
other woman or man for that matter come forward about sexual abuse that they went through and whether that means it just helps them come forward about it to deal with it emotionally or to or to you know try to charge somebody with the crime and, and go after them criminally then it's worth it that I did it. Fernando Estorizaga's picture was all over the news that day, April 12, 2018. He'd been exposed, finally, as a pedophile and a person of interest in Allison Thresher's murder, but not a suspect. Investigators needed more questions answered, and everyone wanted to find Allison Thresher's body. The things that he said during those interviews um, very clearly pointed to the fact that he knew he, like Mark said, he essentially said, I'll, I, I can tell you everything, but, and he just never got to that place. Those answers may never come. At 7 p.m., the night of the press conference, Fernando Estorizaga was found hanging in his cell. And I was in such shock, and I, I felt like someone punched me right in my stomach, like I was going to throw up because, oh my God, you know, everything that we need to know just died. It's not gonna end that easily. Could we close this case? Could we write a final report? I think so. I, I mean, I think there's no doubt that we believe Fernando was an actor in this. The issue is, is there another actor? And if you think this story has some weird twists already, hang on, things are about to get weirder. Does he have a Canadian accent? Yes, he does. Well, that's one mystery solved. Thank you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's great. You just made our job a lot easier. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and please subscribe to Missing Pieces for the rest of this incredible story. I couldn't have done this in-depth work without the help of other people, including my colleague, Fox 5 photographer and editor, Ronnie McRae, and the Montgomery County Police Department. We'd also like to give credit to Rose Audio for our original music. And a special thank you to Sarah Thomas, Allison Thresher's sister, and Allison's children, Hannah and Sam. They are survivors and strong, and they're hoping you, the listeners, can help them find Allison Thresher.